Good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's our 698th day together in the Word of God, one chapter at a time. Got a cup of coffee. I have one of the most famous people in the history of the world before us. Jesus, the most famous person in the history of the world. And then one of the most famous, Zacchaeus, was a wee little man. And a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Aren't you so glad I didn't sing that? Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness to meet with us every day. Thank you for the truth that you've been teaching us. And we pray that you would continue to teach us today. Be our teacher, our guide. Grow us, build us up in the faith. Help us to walk closely with you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 19. He entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded any one of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. As they heard these things, he proceeded to tell them a parable, because he was near to Jerusalem, and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. He said to them, A nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten minas and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him, and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants, to whom he had given the money, to be called to him, that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your minna has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your minna has made five minas. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your minna, which I have kept laid away in a handkerchief, for I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. 
He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow? Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it with interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the minna from him, and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten minas. I tell you that everyone who has, more will be given. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where upon entering you will find a colt tied, on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? You shall say this, The Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away went and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they sat Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King, blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. And he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. That is Luke 19. Very famous chapter, many well-known instances here, but you know, sometimes we have gotten so familiar with certain parts of the Bible because we've read them for years or we've heard, you know, storybook versions of them that we actually miss the profound reality of what is happening. Let's begin with Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus climbs the tree because he wants to see Jesus and he knows Jesus is coming and Jesus is like a major celebrity 
and he's coming through and he wants to get a good view and he's a short guy, can't see over the crowd, and so he climbs up a tree. But it's Jesus who speaks to Zacchaeus. It's Jesus who invites himself to Zacchaeus's house. It's Jesus who takes the initiative. Jesus always takes the initiative in salvation. He always is the one who effectually calls sinners to salvation. It's always him. We may have a curiosity. We may have an interest. But the relationship, the salvation, the redemption is always begun by Jesus. And when Jesus calls, of course, Zacchaeus comes down from the tree. And of course, he invites Jesus to his house, as Jesus has said. And everyone's really upset about it. This man is a sinner. He's not just a tax collector. He's a chief tax collector. And he's rich from his tax collecting. Jesus doesn't deny any of this. Zacchaeus doesn't deny any of this. But what he does is he gets up and he says, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. You understand, he is, he is giving away the profit that he's gained from his trade, giving away half of it off the top, and then with the remaining half, restoring fourfold anything that he might have defrauded from anyone. And he's kind of known as being a sinful man, so there probably are lots of people who have accusations against him to bring. But he doesn't care. He doesn't care about his money. He doesn't care about his reputation. He has come to know Jesus. Repentance is the most natural overflow of a heart that really knows Jesus. Because if we really know Jesus, all the things that attracted us to our sin, all the things that made our sin so compelling to us, just are nothing compared to Jesus, right? Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jesus is so compelling that when Zacchaeus really meets him and really comes to know him, who cares about money anymore? It's totally unimportant. Salvation has come to this house, and Jesus himself declares it. Jesus declares that this is not just a man who was impressed by Jesus and who did something remarkable. This is a man who has had salvation come to his house. And Jesus says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And right as they're listening to this, he then turns and tells them this parable of the minas. Now, this is a variation on the stewardship parable that Jesus has told in different forms in different parts of the different gospels. It's distinct from the parable of the talents, but it has a similar message. The parable of the talents, which is in Matthew 25, one person's given five talents, one person's given two talents, and one person's given one. And the person who has five earns five more, the person who has two earns two more, and the person who has one buries it in the ground. Here, you have three people who are each given the same one minna. The first guy works really hard to serve the master, and he earns ten minas from his one. The second guy works pretty hard 
pretty diligently for the master. He earns five minas for the one. But the third guy, he again, he badmouths the master like the guy in the parable of the talents. His fundamental problem is bad theology. He doesn't know God. He doesn't know the master and the character of the master. He says in verse 21, I was afraid of you because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. This is the difference between the right biblical fear of the Lord, which the guy with who got 10 minas and the guy who earned five minas, they had right and biblical fear of the Lord. They knew there was going to be a stewardship accountability. They wanted to hear well done, good and faithful servant from their master. They wanted to please and serve their master. They were afraid of disappointing and letting down their master and being unfaithful to their master. But the man who has a an unbiblical, unhealthy, ungodly fear is afraid of God, afraid of Jesus, afraid of being found out. And so hiding things in secret, hiding it in a handkerchief for the guy in the talents, buries it in the backyard. If we understand that our lives are given to us by God as a stewardship trust, and we are going to give an account to him for what we have done with the life we've given, the right fear of the Lord ought to motivate us to earnestness and out of love and out of a desire to please the Father for the life he's given us. He doesn't, he doesn't reap where he didn't sow. He's given us our life and every opportunity we have in our lives, and we understand that. But if you think your life belongs to you, and God's kind of intruding on your personal space to demand an accounting from you of what you did with your life, which is your life after all, then you've got this bad idea. You haven't understood that your very life is a gift from God, as well as every single opportunity you have to do anything good is a gift from God. So the right fear of the Lord wants to please God, wants to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, on Judgment Day, wants to be in God's favor as being one who's found faithful, that we would be found faithful. And anything else comes from a flawed theology. Jesus is fulfilling scripture when he does the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. He goes and finds a colt, donkey colt, and he says, no one's ever sat on it, which explains why in Matthew its mother is with it, because if you're going to ride a colt that no one's ever sat on, it helps if the mother is with it. This is all in fulfillment of Zechariah 9, 9. And the Lord has need of it. He has need of it because he needs to fulfill all of the scriptures. And so he is being faithful. Jesus is being the faithful servant of God to fulfill all of the scriptures. And he's being praised, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and the Pharisees are freaked out because they don't want to cause a scene. They don't want Rome to crack down. They don't want to have Passover be ruined by some sort of riot. And so they tell him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And Jesus says, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Now, some Christians take that verse as like a universal truth. If Christians don't praise God, the very stones will praise God. And that's not really what is in view here. This triumphal entry of Jesus during this 
ride into Jerusalem on this donkey colt in fulfillment of Zechariah 9.9, Jesus must be praised. In this moment, he must be received with shouts of Hosanna, save now, and blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, and peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In part, he has to be received that way because they are receiving the Passover lamb into their house. They're receiving him. And in four days' time, five days' time, they're going to be calling out for him to be crucified. So it was vital that he be received with praises, and that's why Jesus says that. But right after this, Jesus knows what's coming. So right after all of this shouts and cries of Hosanna and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord and glory to God, after all of this, he weeps over the city because this city that has rushed out to welcome him is going to cry out to crucify him because they don't know the things that make for peace. The things that make for peace is ultimately going to be the death of Jesus on the cross. But their rejection of him. Look at verse 43. Days will come upon you when your enemies will set a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side. Verse 44. And tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. They're saying all the right words but they don't understand what's happening. When Jesus goes and cleanses the temple, they get very mad about it. They get very upset and they start to plot against him. Jesus had come to bring salvation to the people of God, not salvation from Rome. Everybody's looking at the, at the uh, Anatonia fortress of of Pontius Pilate and the Roman governor and the Roman overlords and the extra soldiers in the town. And they're wanting the king who comes in the name of the Lord to deliver them from all these Romans. And we would have probably thought the same thing if we had been there. Let's be honest with ourselves. This is a pressing issue that is very present to their mind. But they missed the real significance of his coming. And that is he's coming to cleanse the people of God and to save the people of God from their own sin from their own faithlessness, from their own idolatry, from their own waywardness. And they're not receiving him for that purpose. That's not why they want him to come. Are you receiving Jesus? Are you welcoming him into your life, not to do what you want him to do, but to do what he has come to do? Are you wanting Jesus just to come in and make you happier, make you more successful? make you more prosperous, make you more powerful? Or are you receiving Jesus to save you from yourself and make you more holy? That's what he actually came to do. And cleansing the temple was a sign of that. Is Jesus coming to cleanse your heart? Or are you only welcoming him if he's willing to do the things that are on your to-do list that would help you achieve what you want for your life? Or do you realize that his plan is so much better and that his purpose is to bring cleansing, healing, holiness, salvation, redemption is so much better? Zacchaeus understood. Zacchaeus didn't look to Jesus to make him wealthier. The guys in the parables who earned more minas, they understood. They understood that they were to serve the Lord. They were to give to God. They were to 
They were blessed to be privileged to serve God. But the crowds didn't get it, and the Pharisees and the chief priests, they certainly didn't get it. What about you? What about me? Let's pray. Father, we need you to save us from ourselves. We need you to cleanse our hearts from the sin that so easily ensnares, entangles, and corrupts us. Deliver us by your grace and for your glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Luke 19. Tomorrow we are going back to the book of Isaiah, picking up with Isaiah 21. Hope you can join me then, and I do hope, as always, that you have a blessed day in the Lord.